welcome to the Developing Strategy podcast. This week, we're discussing the concept of competitive advantage, which is a really important topic. And Dad, why don't you talk a bit about why it's such an important topic? Yeah, we've talked about one one theory of strategy. We should try and target attractive opportunities. But the, the, the more um, powerful argument uh, that has tended to win out over time is that it's not just about the opportunities, it's really about whether you have competitive advantage. And in fact, some people go so far as to say the whole goal of strategy is to create competitive advantage because with that you will have success. Mm. So so it's, it's, if you like, probably the most critical thing in business strategy, but also important for things like charities who also have to compete for funds and uh, to get opportunities to to help the, the key constituencies they're there to serve. And it sort of makes sense, right? When we're thinking about our strategy matrix, where you've got attractiveness versus yeah. chance of success, probably if you've found a really attractive segment of the market, your competitors have as well. So the real yeah. differentiator is, is your chance of success. So yeah. that, that makes sense. So how do you suggest we think about competitive advantage? Are there any tools? Yes. In fact, one of the issues here is there's so many tools um, that actually when I came to writing my book, I thought, well, where do I start? Do I just list? In fact, I started teaching people, you know, there's this, there's this, there's this, and you can just see them glazing over. And they prefer to have one answer, but if you give them one answer, like it's all about scale or um, it's all about IP or it's all about culture, mm. actually people might find that interesting and you can make quite a good sort of speech on the circuit doing that kind of thing. But I just don't believe it's correct. Yeah. So what I had to do was go back and try and think through what I thought was a tool that kind of integrated all the various theories about competitive advantage. So let me illustrate this by asking you to describe an organisation you, you're impressed by and what you think gives it its distinctive sources of advantage. And then let me use that as an example. Yeah, so we discussed this a bit earlier. You, you said I'd need to come up with one. Yeah. The one I've chosen is a restaurant near me where I work um, called mm. Vitamojo. Okay. Big mm-hmm. shout out to Vitamojo. Um, it's a really cool place. You go in and there's iPads everywhere. You mm-hmm. go over to an iPad and you pick kind of one of seven mains, so it might just be meatballs mm-hmm. or, or chicken thighs, and then you choose exactly how much you want of every side mm-hmm. and of the main and whether you want any sauces. And then it calculates the cost based on exactly how much you said and, and kind of you might pay like £7.64 mm-hmm. or whatever um, for your lunch. So just a really cool concept. And in terms of competitive advantage, the way I've been taught about this is there are two ways of having advantage. You could have a lower cost, or you could have a differentiated product that mm-hmm. means you can charge a higher price for it. Um, Which is and it? Yeah, so I think it's really good value, right. but also like really high quality, and, and right. I like the customizable element, so it's, it's probably a bit of both. Yeah, so I think that, that, that is a, one theory of advantage. Michael Porter, in his book um, on competitive advantage, pointed out that two of the primary strategies were cost leadership or, or differentiation advantage or value advantage, as I think he described it. But you can see that sometimes it isn't quite as clear as that. People yeah. aren't 100% focused on one or the other, which could be a risk, and that's his point. Um, but yeah, I think we need a tool that enables us to kind of handle businesses which, which mm. try and do a bit of both, which is a lot of businesses. Uh, while perhaps bearing in mind you know, extreme models of cheap and, and fancy are, sure. are always interesting sort of benchmarks. So, okay, so I'm going to try and use my tool on you. Um, if I understand it right, playing back what you said, is, is they, have, they, they have a particular location. 
in a in a in an attractive place where they can get various people who are prepared to spend money on their food at lunchtime. So they've got a location, they've got a brand, um, yeah. and they've got some technology. And all of these are sort of visible. And these are what I might call part of their position, that they have a position in the market, literally a place actually on this high street where, where you can go. Right. Um, but also their brand, which isn't a physical thing, but it still is a position. And these are things that... Um, some strategists focus on as, as the key and, and they point out things like, you know, scale is really important. So whatever your position is, scale is important. So in restaurants, either you're going to be a very small, what they call maybe a fragmented player, which works just because of the very sort of smarts of its owner. But if you want to do successfully, um, do, do well um, beyond that, you might need to achieve scale, which okay. would be a unit of of. Um, position. Hopefully that, that's kind of obvious and we could talk later about what, what kinds of position you can have in other businesses. But obviously McDonald's in restaurant has a position and it's quite different to Vitamojo and both are successful in their different ways. I still enjoy McDonald's. Okay, yeah, do you still enjoy McDonald's, which is probably at the low cost end of the market there. Now, there was then a competing theory came in, uh, a book called In Search of Excellence kind of crystallized this and said, well, you know, we've kind of looked at this and everyone's focusing on position and it's all rather heartless. And and actually what really counts is is the internal capabilities of an organization. They had the 7S model talking about things like skills and um, salary, what you paid people and how you motivated, and superordinated goals was their way of getting an S in there, which was about what people believed in and so on. And strategy was in there, actually, is one of the seven S's. And it said, actually, you know, it's the internal capabilities that matter. And actually, your description didn't really tell you, tell me much about that. You know, I think what intrigued me most was the use of technology. And that was obviously Mm. a capability, which then created a sort of physical position, if you like, which was iPads. But where did that capability come from? Yeah, so you're right. The technology is really important. And actually, they they sell that technology and license it oh, to other okay. other restaurants. But right. yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about the business. I yeah. don't know where it came from. It could have been uh, like a really smart person in the organization, right. or it could have been repurposed from another industry, okay. I guess. Well, let's imagine there's a smart person who is, is at least assembling somebody else's mm. technology, doing something with it, and then they're able to sell it to others. So that's very interesting. So you've got these two things, the capabilities, which in this case is is the, the kind of the knowledge of the technology. And then that creates a position in the marketplace, which is, you know, the physical location, the brand, and that's supported by the hardware itself in the store. And you you could go and buy that restaurant, you get all the position. You may or may not get the capability, because if it's in the kind of the owner's brain, you'd, mm. you'd have to get them with you. And then, if I can just jump the gun, yeah, that position then means you can charge a lower price or you can you can right. have a lower cost or you can charge a higher right. price with the differential. The combination product. of those capabilities and those positions provides the cost position, mm. And the value proposition, which is actually what we talked about last week, which drives, you know, what your costs are and how much your customers are prepared to pay or how much volume you can generate, how desirable you are. Uh, Now, the analogy I use is to a tree. So we've talked about this in kind of businessy terms. And let me ask, what's the most important bit of a tree? Um, Lee's trunk. It's probably the root. Yes, roots. roots, absolutely. Yes, you're kind of having to think hard. And, and <laughs> typically most people say, yes, the roots, I think. Not true. But as you, you'll see that it isn't quite as simple as that. But basically that's the most important thing. Because if you cut away the trunk, the thing can still grow back. If you right. cut away the roots, it dies. And uh, the roots I think of as, as equivalent to the capabilities. 
In this case, let's assume there's this one individual who is absolutely critical to, the, to starting up this business. As they grew it into a physical location with a brand, if that had been destroyed in a fire, they could have opened it up again. Yeah. But if that person had sort of died halfway through or gone off to live in Australia, it would have just become another mediocre restaurant. Mm. So, so really important. But, but, I mean, they're not separate. And they do connect to the, the, the rest of the tree, the, 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 the trunk and the leaves. That's what I would describe as the position. That's what these roots create. And they feed back, you know, to the roots energy that allows the roots to grow and thrive. So by having a profitable business, you can now reinvest in um, paying that that great brain to stay there, um, developing, for example, if they've been selling this technology to others, they would have had to invest in new capabilities, like how to market to other restaurants and how to package up the technology to make it something that could be used by a third party. So you have to add new capabilities, new root structures, if you like. So these things work very much in, in symbiosis, mm. um, and that's why I sort of use this analogy of the tree. And ultimately, to your point, it's only going to be a successful tree if it creates the fruit. Yeah. And the fruit actually is weird because there's two kinds of apples. There's cost um, reduction apples. Uh, <laughs> maybe this technology helps them control their costs. Well, it does because it says this is exactly how much to put on the plate um, and there's no wastage. Um, and it creates the value proposition in that you have this flexibility. Yep. You, you don't just, you, you can get exactly what you want. Um, so there's something there, that two kinds of apples, cost yeah. Um, cost advantage and value advantage or differentiation advantage and that's the basic model I give to people to explain actually this tries to bring together all the theories of competitive advantage I'm familiar with so if they want to talk about culture as an advantage yeah that's the culture of an organization is typically part mm. of its capabilities and roots if they want to talk about their brand then that's part of their position So I like the symbiosis example because you get a sense of things feeding into each other and interacting. Kind of, it's not just a one-way flow, but it does make me think: Is this a static model? Does an organization's tree change over time? Like, let's take Vitamojo. Right. If their really smart tech person leaves, then their capabilities have to be redefined. Yes. So absolutely. So just as a tree grows, um, the roots will provide the initial sapling, if you like, but then. It will evolve in two ways that are compatible. One is it will grow its position more. It might, you know, start setting up a chain of Vitamojos and it can reinvest in its capabilities so that it can um, handle that growth. Um, if, if a tree grows with the same tiny root structure it had at the beginning, it'll just fall over and die. Mm. So you need to keep growing the root structure. In a, in a business, you need to think, well, if I want to grow to be 10 times the size, what capabilities will I need? And I think we've talked a bit about them, you know, the kind of... Yeah. Well, you'd need, for example, the ability to manage a chain of restaurants. Um, or if you were going for the sell technology to other businesses a model and you stick with one store, you'd need to build up the capabilities mm. in that side of the business. So it's very much a dynamic one. And we do t- I do also talk about, you know, sometimes you might set up completely independent trees, which is when you almost become a corporation with multiple businesses and actually set right. up new trees. So there, there'd be de- various different ways you could use the tree analogy. And I, I guess we'll get to that more sure. later when we talk about options and, and the various options um, for growth. And one probably last thing I want to pick up on, there's some degree of interpretation in defining what is a position versus what is a capability. Yeah. Do you think it's important to have that distinction? And, and I guess what are the bounds of each 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, for academics, it's important. I don't <laughs> think it's so important for, for, for sort of practical strategists. Um, so what I do is actually give people a checklist of what I would regard as categories of positions. And I say, look, these are my language. You know, actually, most people find it works. But mm. I, so I don't want you to get constrained by arguing over the wording on this. And I certainly don't want you to argue, is this a capability yeah. or a position? Because, for example, the knowledge of um, your founder about their IP turns into some software, which turns into something which is in an iPad. At which point does that capability become a position? Right. I don't really want to agonise about that. Um, so what I do is provide people a simple checklist and say, go through this quickly. Don't get hung up over definitions. The main goal is to create a list of things that are the sources of competitive advantage. In the end, whether they're a capability or a position is unlikely to be that critical and certainly not worth a lot of debate up front um and at some point maybe before we finish this podcast i'll give you my list uh, my checklist just verbally and then that can also be available on the on the website and facebook page just before we do that um mm-hmm. let's try and run things through an example i don't know if there's a good example you have um yeah. of kind of putting these ideas into practice Sure. Well, I, I, I do use Starbucks as an example, um, which which I think is an interesting company. So let me use it as a quick example of how it evolved as a tree from roots to branch and, right. and so on. And then I, what I could do is also use it to illustrate the kind of checklist I have of positions and capabilities, right. because yeah. it, it kind of does actually have a broad range of, of ways of competing. Sure. Um, so how did it evolve? Well, it the capability was, was the... The, the really the founder coming up with an idea based on going to Italy and saying, I want to recreate this kind of space with this kind of coffee and this kind of atmosphere that you have in an Italian coffee bar um, back in the US. And, it, you know, it started out as a small chain or you know, very small. I mean, originally, of course, one outlet. Was it in Seattle? In Seattle, that's right. Yeah. Which is sort of a bit of a coffee heaven. Yeah, now. yeah. And, you know, one really smart person can pretty much drive the development of a local a local store. And then, of course, it grew explosively. It, it grew in terms of its size, its market share, which is, which is a measure of its position. Um, but it also grew in terms of its capabilities. So, for example, it developed the capability of delivering consistent coffee to a large range of stores so that wherever you go it's going to taste the same like a mcdonald's which has actually been a problem because sometimes when they go to other countries the locals don't like the taste mm-hmm. so much um and and the way it did that was by developing an integrated value chain where they would source beans they would roast them um they would grind them and that would give them a consistent coffee flavor so i would say that was part of their position this part this vertically integrated value chain a bit like apple which goes you know it doesn't make the chips but it it makes a lot of stuff including the software and actually has retail stores so that that's that's a particular position that they've created if you were to acquire starbucks you would get all the stores you'd get all the market share you'd get the brand which is another another kind of position and you would um, get the vertically integrated value chain Um, but they also invested in new capabilities so they obviously had to have a product development function so that they could develop new kinds of coffee and also the food and and, and the whole logistics around running a a huge corporation and some kind of interesting ones like they have in their architecture department they were tasked with coming up with I think they have four 
At one point, they had four basic designs. So any store would be based on one of four basic designs. And the good thing here is, A, you had control over the feel of Starbucks and people regarded it as their third space, you know, where they'd go for meetings and as, a, as an alternative to the office or home, hence the third space. Um, but also... Uh, they could be made at a very reasonable cost. So the cost of outfitting a Starbucks was less than it would be for a competitor, a source of competitive advantage. And so you've got a capability there, which is these architects who are creating uh, a position in the marketplace, which is particular designs in different sites around the world. Um, that gives them a source of advantage. So hopefully there you've got a sense of some of the mix of positions and capabilities. Hmm. Now, interestingly, they overextended... Um, because the original founder stepped out and he had to step back in. So not all businesses get beyond their founder completely. Um, they build new capabilities which are meant to build on and replace the founder. So when the founder goes, um, they they can survive. And it's just a twist here that at Starbucks, the, the founder had to come back in and kind of take it back to its roots a bit. Great. Lots to think about when I pick up my next latte. Yeah, so... If I can just finish off, um, just to kind of crystallise that a bit, my checklist of types of position, which I've kind of alluded to quite a lot with Starbucks, is one, measurements of size like market share, which they certainly had, um, brand and differentiation, second category, which they certainly had, value chain design and vertical integration is the third category, which they certainly had. And then input costs would be, you know, I can buy at lower cost than you. I don't think that's a key thing for Starbucks. Mm. There'd be a bit of that. Um, Access to unique resources like patents or raw materials or technology, not really. Um, our focus on a very narrow product line that enables to become experts. Yeah, that's sort of an overall arching, overarching thing. They're almost like one of those German mid-sized companies who are very specialist and only mm. make like only make chocolate molds or something really? like that. These these companies really exist. Then in terms of my checklist of capabilities. I have IT and logistics, not a big part of Starbucks, I would say. It's more just, you know, also ran. Processes, again, not particularly Starbucks things. Skills, well, I think they did work a lot on building up the skills of their baristas and motivated them. Uh, so people as well. Their staff, they treated very differently. They gave healthcare benefits to their staff in the US, which kind of unheard of in that, that kind of um, restaurant market. And finally, organisational culture and design, which, I, again, they had in the US... It, it was an amazing culture and, and people really loved being there and customers loved going to meet the staff who worked there. So I've very quickly gone over those my checklist of positioning capabilities and hopefully used the Starbucks example to illustrate that. Yeah, no, nice to have a, a tangible example um, rather than some of the more niche ones we've talked about with yeah. the uh, yeah, power generation, r- repair and stuff. So that's good. Um, and I think that's probably it for today. Yeah. Um, so unless you've got anything else to add well just say next week we'll carry on and, and um, that's a, it's still a rather conceptual tool with a checklist that gives you a list of stuff but I'm going to give three tools next week that, that help you kind of take that understanding of position and capabilities and kind of crystallise that down to, to something which is a clearer measure of what is your source of advantage and how much is it worth yeah and as per usual, um, all our resources, particularly that checklist and mm-hmm. some illustrations, um, will be on our website. So do check that out as well. 